Go ahead and be seated. As our men are passing out uh, the offering plates and as you are giving your tithe and your offering, uh, I, I want to share with you something that you may not know. And I don't know if you know this, um, but I wanted to share it with you. It's kind of confession time for me. It's just a moment, uh, and it's just us at the 8 o'clock service. We're family. Um, but I really, 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 really like to go fishing. I, I really, 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 really like to go fishing. I'll go fishing. Edie and I were talking. Uh, I was calling her on the way home, as I usually do when I'm coming home from work. I was calling her, and we were talking on the way home, and, and uh, she was uh, talking about... Uh, just our week has been kind of stressful, and we know that next week is going to be kind of stressful. And, and uh, she said, man, we, we, uh, we just need to get away. I said, yeah, we need to go to the mountains. And she said, let's pick someplace else. I said, but honey, she said, every time we go anywhere, you find a place to go fishing. And, uh, and she wasn't complaining about that, but she like anybody else would like to go on a trip where it's just us without fishing. And, and I can appreciate that. And, and, uh, and, and so I said, we'll, we'll put a pin in that and talk about that later. Uh, but I, I really enjoy fishing. Now, the thing about fishing is fishing can happen anywhere there is water and the possibility of a fish. Uh, it can happen in a puddle uh, uh, down the road. Uh, it can happen in the big wide ocean uh, by which we live. It can happen in the mountains in a cool, uh, pristine stream. Uh, it can happen in muddy water, clear water. It can happen in flowing water or still water. Fishing can happen anywhere, and I love to go fishing. The good news for me is this. Jesus calls us to follow him on a fishing adventure. And Jesus calls us to follow him on a fishing adventure. I love the fact that Jesus, when he's calling his disciples, they were fishermen, uh, four of them were, James and John, Peter and Andrew, they were fishermen by trade. That They didn't do it for fun, they did it for a living. Uh, and they didn't do fishing the way I do fishing, they did it differently. But Jesus approached them in Matthew chapter 4, and he said, follow after me and I will make you fishers of men. Now, I want us to kind of key in on that just for a second. You see, uh, the, the reality is we've been looking at how Jesus calls us to follow him. And if you're a follower of Jesus, that's what you're supposed to be doing. And, and I know we get confused. I know we do. I get confused. I know you've got to get confused. Sometimes we think being a Christian is about me getting stuff that I enjoy and basking in the joys of my own perspective and my own preferences. And, and we get this idea that being a Christian is coming to a room, sitting in a pew that is cushioned and listening and then leaving and nothing changes. And, and, and we get conditioned into thinking that following Jesus is really following a set of rules or regulations like the Ten Commandments. And, 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 and as long as I'm following the rules, then I must be following Jesus. But, but Jesus redefines what it means to be 
holy in the sight of God and he redefines what we're supposed to be about. When you, listen, when you have your life transformed by God's grace, immediately, immediately in that moment when God pours his spirit within you, he gives you a commission to chase after Jesus. And what that means, it means that you're an apprentice of Jesus. It means that you and I must do what Jesus did. We must feel what Jesus felt. We must go where Jesus went. We must have a passion for those things with, uh, for which Jesus had a passion. It means that we set aside the things that were so important to us. We push those two aside and we treasure more than anything else Jesus and his mission. Now, that's what we're supposed to be doing. And I look at my own life and I see, oh, how far I fall short. And maybe if you were to take a glimpse at your own life, you would see how you fall short too. And maybe that's why we don't look very hard. Or we settle for the substitutes of a form of following Jesus without the substance of actually following him. When we've been looking at what Jesus said to his disciples and what he says to us. He says, says, if you want to follow after me, you must deny yourself, take up your cross daily and follow me. He said, if you follow me, you'll, 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 you'll never be in the dark again. You'll come out of darkness into the glorious light of God's love. In Matthew chapter 4, 19, he said... If you want to follow me, then I'm going to make you something different than what you were before. I'm going to make you a fisher of men, literally a fisherman of people or a fisherman of men. I love the, in fact, uh, one of my girls was up in my, uh, my office and, and saw that I had printed out the Greek word for fisher. It's really fisherman and it's, it's a Greek word, haleus, and I'm going to get a tattoo with that Greek word. You'll never see it, don't worry. We'll call it spiritual, but it's halius to anthropu. And it means that you and I are called to follow Jesus in a way that relates to people the way he related. To capture them with the love and the grace of the good news of Jesus Christ. To draw them intimately and personally to a living God so that their life is never the same again. You have a commission. And that is not simply to serve your own appetites. You and I, we have a commission and that is not merely to chase after our own needs or desires. In fact, we're supposed to push those to the side and elevate Jesus as our supreme treasure and his mission as our supreme calling. And that mission is a fishing adventure. And Jesus said, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Now, as we look at this passage, I want us to learn some lessons about what it means to be on this fishing adventure with Jesus. Obviously, we're not fishing for fish here. We're fishing for people. Our passion is not going to a mountain stream and 
catching a trout or going to the deep blue sea and catching a, a tuna. Our, our, our passion is to help people who are far from God find life through faith in Jesus Christ. Can I just stop us for a second and say, if that's not your passion, you're not following Jesus. I've got to say that to myself, too, because, again, I get distracted by a lot of other passions. Don't you? I get distracted by a lot of other appetites and, 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 and desires and preferences. But, but Jesus makes it clear that if we're going to follow him, then our passion is going to be helping those who are far from God find life in Jesus Christ. The week after uh, July 2nd, we're going to start a series called Light. And we're going to be looking at how that you and I can live this mission that God has given us. How that we can follow Jesus faithfully and, and help those who are far from God find life in Christ. And we're going to take five weeks and we're going to examine what it is that we can do to move beyond the status quo of our current life and be courageous and adventurous in spirit, following Jesus after people so that they might be transformed by the touch of his grace. And today at 8 o'clock, I want you all to have a head start. And at 12.30. So as we look at this idea of a fishing adventure with Jesus, I want us to to consider the analogy, the analogy of fishing. And uh, one part of that analogy is that we, we know that if we're going to catch fish, you've got to go where the fish are. You've got you to go uh, uh, to, the, to the pond down the road. You've got to go to the creek in the backyard. You've got to go to the ocean. You've got to go to a, a pristine mountain stream untouched by human hands way back in the wilderness somewhere. If you're going to catch fish, you've got to go where fish are. The same thing's in, true for us as followers of Jesus. If we're going to catch people... And we've got to go where the people are. And not just any people, but the people who are far from God. And we're not looking to catch fish in an aquarium. We're looking to catch fish in the wild. How many people around you every day are living in the wild? Living without hope because they're living without God in this world. And just think about that. All of those people, those are the people that God is sending you to on a divine intersection. Intersecting your life with theirs so that you might be a follower of Jesus and fish after them. If you look down in Matthew chapter 4, you look at verse 23 and 24, it gives a summary statement of all of the places that Jesus went. And you look throughout uh, the Gospels and you see that Jesus went to synagogues, he, he went to the streets, uh, he went to Samaria, uh, he went to Galilee, he went to Nazareth, he went to Jerusalem, he went, he went to where people were. He wasn't cocooned in a holy huddle trying to find strength for the day. No, he was out and about. And, and when he did get alone for a season of worship, it wasn't so that he could just bask in that moment of worship with the Lord. 
his heavenly father. It was so that he might be again focused with crystal clarity as he goes among people fishing for them. So often what we do is we say following Jesus is getting in our holy huddle and that's all there is. This is it in our minds. But friends, please know this is not it. And this is the staging ground. This is the place where uh, we uh, receive nourishment and instruction and correction and and equipping. Where where this is the staging ground where we find friendships that that last forever and, and, and live with family and sit around a table and eat and fellowship together and find courage together. But that That fellowship and that courage and that instruction and that equipping and that uh, correction isn't merely so that we can feel good that we got together. It's so that we will go fishing. So that we'll get out among the people that are hostile toward God. Get around the people who are hateful about religious things. Get around the people who are searching and lost and empty, who are living a crazy kind of life. Get among the people and share with them how that they can find hope in Jesus. Today, my prayer for us is that we would see God is sending us like he sent Jesus into the world, not to be of the world, but be a witness to the world. A few weeks ago, Edie and I were in Phoenix, two weeks ago, Edie and I were in Phoenix and we were at Southern Baptist Convention and that was a wonderful thing. We love Southern Baptist Convention. (laughs) Uh, But we were at Southern Baptist Convention and I had a meeting all day Monday, and we had meetings on Tuesday. By Wednesday, um, uh, most of my meetings were done, and, and, and I asked Edie if she wanted to go fishing. And the truth is, I had mapped out and researched where I could go. Now, you think of Phoenix. It's a dry heat. But there are trout in Arizona. And I found out where you can go and get to the trout. You have to go up on the Mogollon Rim, and, and you have to drive from Phoenix. It's about two hours, and, and you drive north, and, and, and then a little bit to the east, and you get to the rim, and you start driving up, and by now, you're at about 6,000 feet uh, elevation, and as you're up there, you've You've left the desert behind, although it's still desert-like. You've left the desert behind, and and so you drive through the city of Payson, and you go past the city of Christopher Creek, and you keep driving, and then you take a right on on, uh, Farm Road 512, and, and, and you go toward the south on Farm Road 512. Now, you can take a left and go east on, on, uh, uh, on a little dirt road, 34, but we decided to go even further down because I wanted to fish the lower section below the O.W. Bridge of Canyon Creek. Now, Canyon Creek is aptly named. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a creek that runs 
through a canyon. And, and so as we're driving, we're driving along this skinny dirt road. And, and, and as we're driving along this skinny dirt road, Edie was on the outside. What that means is she could look over and she could see the canyon. And, and what she said to me, she said, Eric, slow down. And I said, honey, I'm going slow. She said, it's 20,000 feet drop and I'm 20 inches away. Slow down. So I slowed down. We finally got to Canyon Creek, and sure enough, a beautiful little stream in the middle of this desert-like area, and it took about two and a half hours to get there. By the time it was all said and done, I rigged up my fishing rod, and I'd already studied what I was supposed to use to catch those fish. But before I could catch any fish, before I could even try to catch any fish, I had to get to where the fish were. Today, God is calling you. Make no mistake, you're a follower of Jesus. He's calling you to go where the people are. Sometimes that means a journey. Sometimes it means just a walk across the room. But he's calling us to go where people are. The second lesson we learn from the analogy of fishing is not only do we need to go where people are, but if you're going to go fishing, you have to understand the fish. And it's just that simple. You've got to understand the fish. Now, with trout fishing, it's, it's uh, simple. The fish in that stream eat what is available to them. Duh. And, and you've got to understand. You've got to understand weather patterns. You've got to understand stream levels. Or you've got to understand a front coming through. You need to understand whether the water is cool enough or too warm or what the fish do when the water gets too cold or too warm. You've got to understand how, what, what season it is, what, what insects are, are, are hatching from the stream bed and, and, and fluttering on top of the water. You've got to understand all those things. So I make a chart. And I knew, going to Canyon Creek, that there were three main insects on Canyon Creek in the middle of June. Oh, I won't bore you with the Latin name. Betus would be one of them. Dorothea ephemerella would be another one. There's a third, I can't think of the Latin name, but, but these are the insects. Now, in order to, to, to catch the fish, you've got to present to the fish what they're looking for. You need to understand. Now, it's the middle of the day and the sun is shining. In the middle of the day and the sun is shining, they're going to be shy. Those fish are shy. And, and no matter what you try to do, they're going to be hunkered down at the bottom of the stream bed behind rocks and, and behind trees. You need to understand that. You need to understand the fish if you're going to catch the fish. In the same way, we need to understand the people that we're trying to catch. You realize that people who are far from God probably aren't a lot like you. They don't have the same values. They don't eat or drink the same stuff. They don't have the same appetites. What you do when the sun goes down is different, perhaps, than what they do when the sun goes down. But we need to understand them. We need to understand them the way Jesus understood people. You know, Jesus understood people. The Scripture calls Jesus the knower of the heart. I think specifically of, of, of the woman at the well of Sychar in John chapter 4. And Jesus was sitting there at a well, and a lady comes walking up in the middle of the day, 
And Jesus knew her. He understood her. He understood that she was thirsty, not for water from a well. She was thirsty for life. And she was thirsty for a life that nourished her soul and got her past the scars of her past. Jesus understood her. Same way he understood you when he drew you to himself. I can think of that day when I met Jesus for the very first time. I was a religious kid. I was a very moral kid. I did pretty much everything right. I was a very norm-oriented kind of kid. I was in church all the time, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Tuesday afternoon, Wednesday night, and any other time that the doors were open. But Jesus knew my heart. He knew that there was an emptiness inside of me that no amount of morality or rule following or going to church was going to satisfy. And so he spoke to that deep need, that empty place inside of me. Do you realize that the people who are far from God, they're hurting and they're searching just like the woman at the well, just like Eric Thomas, just like you were before you met Jesus. You've got to understand them. You need to see beyond what they're doing and see the heart behind it and the hurt behind it. Perhaps there's someone you work with and God's just kind of laid that person on your heart and, and you're thinking about them. You think, man, they are just sarcastic and mean and fault-finding and bitter. Maybe you ought to take some time to understand why. Maybe just asking questions and listening to them. Not, not trying to tell them how great your life is. Just listening to how hurt they are in their life. I mean, instead of trying to give them some more information, maybe you ought to just sit and listen for a season. Get to know the person, the way Jesus did. If we're going to go on this fishing adventure with Jesus, we need to understand the people with whom we share. That person that God has planted on your heart, do you understand them? Have you taken the time to get to know them? I worry sometimes that us religious folks, and especially those of us who have been religious for some time and have some semblance of biblical knowledge, we, we, we sometimes are quick to give our responses to their sayings or their words, their memes on Twitter or Instagram that are kind of outlandish, their philosophies, their practices. We're, we're, we're quick to give them reasons why we don't like all that stuff or we don't agree with all that stuff. But we don't take the time to listen to why they do. And guys, if you know me at all, you know that this is probably one of my hardest parts because I'm not known as some little soft person. I'm, I'm, I'm probably not the greatest conversationalist. I like to tell you, you know, the truth, 
and, 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 and it takes work for me to listen. But just because it's not easy for me to do doesn't mean that I shouldn't do it. In fact, I need to have a greater discipline to ask questions and listen than I do anything else when I go fishing for men. And the reason is because I need to see the person the way Jesus sees the person. I need to feel for that person the way Jesus feels for that person. And I'm not there to win an argument. I'm there to share the wondrous truth of God's great love. You realize that Jesus didn't come to win arguments with people who are far from God. He came to bring people who are far from God into friendship with God. Why are we doing anything differently? If we're going to go on this fishing adventure with Jesus, we, we need to go to where people are. We need to understand the people that we meet. And then we need to present the gospel. We need to share the gospel with them. Now, when you go fishing, as I've shared, uh, I, 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 we made the journey, we mapped out the course, we drove the road, we got to Canyon Creek, and I'd studied and I'd I'd made the hatch chart in Microsoft Excel of all the different bugs that the fish were biting at that time. And not only did I do that, but I, I prepared the particular flies. I got at my, my fly tying vise and, and I saw that I need to tie some Dorothea ephemerals, those uh, yellow sallies is what they're called. I need to tie some yellow sallies, and I needed to tie some blue wing olives, and I needed to tie maybe some some grasshopper looking things or some some ant looking things. I needed to tie uh, I needed to tie them up. So I I I worked hard and I tied those flies up. And I put them in a box, and then I got to the stream and I loaded up my rod and I I, I put the I put the yellow stimulator on. It's a dry fly, and then behind the yellow stimulator, I dropped off a little tiny side. 18, it's a little small thing about like that, that imitates a blue wing olive or a betis. And one floats on top of the water and one goes under the water. And so it catches uh, the fish at either stage which they're feeding, either under the water or on top of the water. And so I, I, I fish. Now, uh, the thing about Canyon Creek is it's a small, skinny kind of water. It, it's not very deep. I could walk uh, across the, the, the stream at any location that I saw. I, it, it wasn't deep. It didn't run fast. It was shallow. It was clear water, and the sun was out, and as I've said, and, it, and, and so the fish were hunkered down. Now, here's a thing that you need to know if you ever go fly fishing or trout fishing. As you're walking along the bank, you need to see which way the sun is shining because if you cast a shadow on the water, you're not going to catch those fish. Those fish see the shadow that you cast on the water like there's a shadow right there from a light coming back and there's a shadow right there from the light coming back and there's a shadow right there from the... I'd hate to go fishing here. But you you have to see where you're casting the shadow because once you cast the shadow, you've spooked the fish. So you have to walk far away from the bank 
as you're walking downstream. And, and then, if you don't cast a shadow, then you have to hunker down and get low. Because, again, the fish, if they're feeding up, if they're hitting the, the, the flies on top of the water, they're looking up and maybe they see you uh, jerk here or move there and, and they're spooked and you won't catch the fish. So you, you've, got to, you've got to slink down to the stream and you've got to get down in a kneeling position and, and, and then you haven't even put the fly in the water. You haven't even started fishing yet. You just prepared to go fishing and, the, and then you take the fly and, and, and you have to cast it over your head and then you have to drop it in the water. Now when it drops in the water, you want it to drop softly like a ninja. And it want, you want it to float without any kind of, of drag or current or anything that's going uh, to make that fly look unnatural. You want it to float on top of the water like a natural insect. Now, that takes work. So you have, to, you have to cast the fly so there's a little bit of slack. And so it flops down on the water soft like a ninja and floats without any kind of, of disturbance around it. And, and so when the fish look up, they see this imitation of a bug that they've been eating and they're fooled into thinking, yes, that's what I want for dinner. And you have to do that over and over and over again. It's not just go down to the riverbank and throw something in. When we share the gospel, we need to take great pains to prepare ourselves to share the gospel. Uh, we need to take great pains to present the gospel in a way that the people with whom we're sharing, they can hear it and receive it. And there have been times when I've shared the gospel like this. I've seen people come up and, and I've gone up to them and I do this. They say, what are you doing? And I say, well, it smells like smoke. What do you mean it smells like smoke? It smells like smoke. Why do I smell like smoke? I, I don't know. Are you going to hell? Now, I wouldn't recommend that strategy. <laughs> Just put that one out of your head. Never, ever, ever do it like that. Once you ask questions and you listen to those who are far from God, and they share with you, and the more you learn about them, the more they'll share with you, the more you can you can understand where they're coming from the more you can talk to them in specific ways how Jesus can change their life. In John chapter 4, verse 14, Jesus had listened to the woman. He knew her heart, but he listened to the woman, and, and, and he said to her, you know, you drink this water from this well, and you'll thirst again, but I have water to give you. And you drink it, you'll never thirst again. He said, he who drinks the water that I give, out of him will spring forth wells of living water. Now, he wasn't just trying to give us a good quote to say on a Sunday morning. And Jesus was speaking to the very heartbeat of that woman. We need to talk to people in terms that they understand. That speaks to the deep needs of their soul. 
We need to present the gospel in a way that they hear and can receive. Now, them receiving the gospel is the work of the Holy Spirit, and, and, and that's, where, that's where we just kind of have our hands off. We've done everything that we know to do, but the Spirit of God is the one who draws the sinner to faith in Christ, and, and yet we have a great responsibility to make a good presentation of the gospel. I think even more important than us sharing that, as we will this week, over and over and over again in Vacation Bible School, that, that God created the universe and he created you and me and our sin separates us from him and, and yet God loves us to send Jesus to die on a cross in our place for our sin. He was killed because of my sin, but he was raised again to make me right with God. And, and if I will by faith admit my sin and believe on Jesus as my Savior and King and commit my life to him and confess that he is my Lord and Savior, then I will be saved. And, and that's the gospel in a nutshell, and I'm, I'm happy that we can share that. But, but I think for the people with whom we work or in our neighborhood as we've listened to them and understand them more, I think more important than you're sharing the ABCs. Perhaps it's how we share the ABCs. More than just sharing the gospel, which many have heard and many have not heard, maybe, maybe the way we do it does matter. You know, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, Peter, who was not known for a uh, to be a soft person either. Peter, who was kind of outlandish in a lot of the things he said, Peter often would speak and then think. He would shoot and then aim. That, that's the kind of person Peter was. I love Peter. But Peter, when he was writing a letter to the churches in 1 Peter 3.18, he said, you need to be sanctified. Sanctify your heart and soul to the Lord Jesus Christ. Set it apart for his work. He says, and be ready, be prepared to give a defense for the hope that is within you. So he's talking about preparation. We need to be ready to share with our neighbors or our coworkers or our schoolmates. We need to be ready to share with them the gospel. But then he adds this phrase, we need to share it with all meekness and reverence. Now, meekness, meekness is gentleness, kindness. Meekness isn't being a jerk. I'm I'm afraid, especially if we use social media to share our faith, we have a tendency to be a jerk first and then share faith second. I'm afraid that we're more intent on people understanding that we're right and they're wrong than we are with meekness and fear helping them see how that Jesus is the answer to their life's problem. I'm fearful, concerned, that not only do we not share, we, when we do share, we're just ugly. We're sniffing around and telling people they're going to hell and even though that may be true, it's probably not meekness and fear in sharing the gospel. What is it 
that person that God has laid upon your heart with whom to share, what is it about their personality that would be receptive to the truth that God loves them, but their sin has separated them from God, and without Jesus, they're going to live the rest of their lives without hope and enter into eternity lost. What, what is it about that person, their story, that can connect with the story that God has given you, the story of the good news of Jesus Christ? How can you share in a way that they can hear? Jesus calls us to follow him on a fishing adventure. And the reason that he calls us to follow him on a fishing adventure, listen, is because he is the world's only hope. He's it. And the world and heaven is waiting on us to go to them and to share that hope. Will you follow Jesus? Would you bow your heads with me, please? This morning, I would encourage you right now to continue to pray for that person that God has laid upon your heart. That you would hear from the Spirit of God the name of that person. And that you would ask the Spirit of God to give you ears to listen and understand that person. And that you would ask the Spirit of God even now to give you courage to share the gospel with that person in all meekness and reverence. In these next few moments, I think that for us, if we draw closer to Jesus, we'll have a heart that beats in sync with his. And if we have a heart that beats in sync with the one that we worship and the one that we adore and the one that we follow, we will be inspired and encouraged to live the mission he gives. So, Spirit of God, would you speak to our hearts today? And would you draw us closer to yourself? That we may leave this place burdened and with a passion, encouraged to share the gospel with those who are lost. Those very people you've placed upon our heart. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.